0: Robert Putnam, a political scientist at Harvard University, is concerned about the decline of social interaction in the United States. Studies show that the social interactions around which Americans base their lives have been fading away since 1950. We've grown accustomed to isolation. In his book, Bowling Alone, Putnam uses the sport of bowling as an example of what is happening socially in America. Although the number of people who bowl has increased in recent decades, the number of people who bowl in leagues has decreased. When people bowl alone, we lose the social interaction and civic discussions that would often occur in a league environment. We don't have bowling leagues at CIL, but we do believe God has called us to Christian community. Life is not meant to be experienced alone. As we look at God's call to community, we'll push back against the drift of isolation and discover that life is better when we are bowling together.
1: And all the bowling owners in Hendersonville cheered. Because you probably haven't thought about bowling in a long time, unless you've watched your kids, you know, get a wristband and try it. Try it out, but this study—if—if you—as if, you do reading—you'll—you'll you'll see the study come up a lot. Probably, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of you haven't looked at this, but it—it it is something like in the different magazines, Newsweek and Time, and and magazines like that. They like to quote. Robert Putnam's study, and it's very memorable, right? Bowling together. His, His book was called Bowling Alone. And you heard what the intro video said. Americans used to bowl in leagues. And now even though participation in bowling is up, people are bowling alone. And that's just one very small, memorable example of a shift we've had in society that we are less and less drawn to community and more and more drawn to isolation and technology has just kind of let us go into this area of isolation. Well, I want to spend a couple of weeks talking about really this subject of Christian community, which is really the passion of my ministry. As I kind of told Beth what I was going to preach on again, she's been listening to me preach for 17 years. I said, well, I'm going to do a series on community. And she kind of groaned a little bit, (laughs) but then she agreed that it's so important And here's the reason why is because there's going to come a time in your life, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, no matter what age you're at, that you're going to be reflecting and you're going to be thinking back about the era of life that you're currently in right now. And when that time comes, you are not likely to remember what the Commodores or Volunteers record was this season. You're not likely to remember the details of your kid's report card. You're not likely to remember all the details of the recital that you attended for your, your child. You certainly won't remember many sermons that I preach. I won't remember the songs we sung. But you will remember the relationships that you built. We have a powerful connection with relationships. And I believe that it's because the kingdom of God is advanced and built through relationships. I think that's the pattern that Jesus showed us and the pattern that the New Testament lived out. Relationships are what really matter. I've had the privilege of living in the same community a long time now. I've been associated with this community for 18 years with one little hiatus back in Texas. And so, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the age now where I'm accumulating a lot of people I've known. And what I've started to discover is this, is that sometimes when I run into people that I haven't seen in a long time, I can't remember some of the details of our relationship. You know, I can't remember that, you know, 15 years ago, we, we went to lunch at Chili's or 10 years ago. Um, you know, that 10 years ago that we had a conversation in Kroger. I can't remember those details. But I I, I found this, that I remember how I feel about that person. Okay, this whether it's respect, whether it's a sense of warmth, we, we, we strongly and emotionally remember the people we interact with. So it is all the time, you know, people are, you know, this happens to me a lot, People who've known me a long time, people say, tell us some stories, tell us some stories. And and people will dig up some stories and you've been there before, I bet you guys have stories. And and we think, yeah, we do. And then we try to retell them. We can't really remember a lot of the stories, but we remember the feeling. We remember the emotional attachment and that's God's created us to be that way. Sometimes that can work negatively, can't it? We can remember some bad emotions, but God has created us to emotionally bond with people because in the beginning, you know, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. We were designed for Christian community. And I love the fact that that's what we have to offer you because you live in an age and era where you can access great content. I guarantee you this morning, you can find better preaching than what you're going to hear from me. On any Sunday of the year, you can find better preaching through the internet and through iTunes, and you can find flawless music. Music that is without error, that's at your customized volume. Even if you like part of the music, you can hit the rewind button and hear that part again. Right? So the point is this, is that what we offer you in this Hour and 15-minute service has limited value. It does have value. And I will say this as my qualifier: if if all you're able to do is come to Sunday morning church right now, we'll take you. All right. So so that's great. We want you here. And, and there is value in physically being in God's presence with other believers. But there's something more that God has for you. And what I want through this teaching, what I wanna communicate to you is not an obligation to satisfy a program of the church. That's not where we're headed. I want you at every era of your life, at every place where you live, at every age that you find yourself to be, in every situation you encounter, to realize God's called you to Christian community. He's called you to be in relationship with other believers and to live life with them, and to experience all that he has. So the title of this talk today is We All Need Community, and it's true. Everyone from the president, everyone to a homeless person. We all need community. No one is immune. It's true that some of us are more introverted than extroverted. Some of us uh, need more time by ourselves, and that's not wrong. It's okay to recognize that and I've kind of flipped. I was a huge extrovert, huge extrovert all through my 20s and into my 30s. And now I'm more of an introvert. It probably has something to do with my vocation and my call. But even if you get replenished by being alone, you still need a community because being isolated continuously is not good. There's a good balance of both, of of both solitude. I don't like to say isolation because you know this, with the presence of God, you're never isolated, are you, right? You're in communion with him. But this balance of, of solitude, that God uses solitude and community. So here, here's, here's the first observation I wanna give you in your notes and as we read today, is this. What is community? That's a question. Community is doing life together. I love that phrase doing life together. God has called you to do your life with other people. So community can mean a lot of things. It can mean our, certainly our occupational life. There's a community there, kind of a community that's forced upon us, right? Because we spend all this time with work friends and then it's it's interesting how we spend the most time with them. And then once they leave, we hardly ever talk to them again. It's just a strange, strange uh, aspect of our vocational life. But other areas, you know, we we have more choices. And I'd say this, you know, we we have some limitations in in our home and apartments because we have leases and we have mortgages, so we can't change. Church is the one area we can change the quickest. And that's why people bounce around so much, because you can just boom in one Sunday change your whole social network. I'm not trying to plant any thoughts for you. I actually I think there's challenges to that. Because I think Christian community is the most important community we have. And longevity and faithfulness and sticking it out produces fruit that you don't get to really taste until years develop. And and that's what's so important about Christian community is saying, hey, God's called me to a group of people and, and I'm gonna stick it out with them and I'm gonna grow with them. I'm gonna do life together with them. And so now, before you think, is this all coming from, what is this? Is this like, a lesson in sociology here? No, no way. This is straight from the scripture. Let's go to Acts chapter two, verse 42. And and this is a scripture that defines us so much. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. Acts 2, 42. They, this is the first church, the people who actually knew Jesus personally, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer, right there in your notes or in the new version, You can see these three things. It's now today the apostles' teaching is the Bible. Uh, that, that's what that is today. And we're people that our fellowship is revolved around something. I, I think about the dinner table and there, there's a painting that I forgot to, to put up here, but a famous painting by Norman Rockwell called Plenty, where, where a family is gathered around the Thanksgiving table. And you know, it has all the American dishes that you would you would imagine for a Thanksgiving dinner. But what's beautiful is seeing multiple generations at the table. The grandparents and the adult children and the grandchildren and and they're, they're, all around, they're all around the table because there's food there. And, you know, every, every analogy is incomplete, but we're all gathered around a table of the word, right? And we're having this feast of the word and, and revolved around the scripture, the, the Bible or the apostles' teaching in Acts 2.42. We're, we're, we're gathered around that. And it forces us to the table. The content does. The meal calls the family in. The meal gathers the family. And what happens at the family meal? What's so beautiful about the family meal? And this does apply to us today. The beauty of the family meal is not um, the accumulation of nutritional calories. The beauty of the family meal is the conversation. It's the listening. It's the dialogue. And the meal forces the hand. It forces the family to come together. And this is what the word is for like us. Like we're, we're people that, that we are devoted to God's word and that forces us to the table. And at the table, life happens. Relationships occur. There's a give and a take. There's a back and forth. And so I, I just want you as God's people to know that you, if you wanna be like the early church, be devoted to the scripture and be devoted to fellowship. Be devoted to that. Be de- devoted to prayer. Those are the things that we see in the scriptures that, that the people were devoted to. Now, let's go to verse 43. Look what happens because of that devotion. Then fear came over everyone. I won't explain all of that, but that's not a bad thing. We, we automatically default, say, well, fear is bad, but not this type of fear. Fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. 44, now all the believers were together and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. 46, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together. Every day, every day. Now, th- this is just an example of the devotion. It was a different time, a different place. And and with with our affluence, and we do have lots of affluence, even if we're paycheck to paycheck, we have opportunity to entertain ourselves, to travel. And, and we see today that here in the suburbs, uh, we, have to, we have to plan wisely for churches. Um, there, there's a, a church, there's many examples of this, but we, I was just talking with some folks this week, there's a immigrant church in Nashville that has prayer meetings every night. I mean, their, their social situation drives them to prayer. I mean, they're praying for jobs, they're praying for, you know, yeah, I'm assuming here, praying, praying that they get the right paperwork to stay in America. And, and we, we I, I want you to know that you're among the richest and the elite people of the world. And, and the Bible did say that it's hard to enter the kingdom of God if you're rich. And it's just challenging because if I said we're gonna have meetings 242 every day, oh my goodness, people would fly out of here. As it is, we have our small group 20 20 times a year, 20 to 22 times a year, depending how the calendar falls. And so I want this to be imprinted on your heart that devotion means something different contextually. It means something different to us, but I think it does mean in light of the scripture that, that, that it can be a priority, whatever that is, our men's Bible study our women's Bible study, whatever it is, wherever your small group is. And so every day they devoted themselves to beating together in the temple complex. They broke bread from house to house. There's something about that hospitality, that home. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God, having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. That's a power-packed scripture, but it is a pattern for us Uh, And it shows us the power of what begins to happen when we live in Christian community under the Holy Spirit's leadership. And look at some of the things that that the early church um, had in their life. We can put it on that slide. First of all, they had uh, signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. The power of God was in operation there. The power of God and to to heal the sick, to, to deliver those who were oppressed by demonic activity, and then Jesus himself said, hey, don't rejoice that the demons submit to you. Like, you know, what I read, like people saying, it's not that big of a deal. Rejoice that you're saved is what Jesus said. And so when I'm talking about signs and wonders, I'm talking about lives being changed. Yes, through healing. Yes, through deliverance, but through salvation too. I mean, the stories that are among us are amazing. The stories of what God has done, how God has changed lives. And I just say, man, through the power of Jesus, let those stories multiply. I mean, eternity's on the line. And lives need to be changed. And so the point is, as you are building this Christian community here, is it changing lives? Absolutely. Does that mean that your participation in a women's Bible study actually gets people saved? That's exactly what that means. Does that mean that you're, you volunteering to vacuum this stage or to clean the bathrooms directly gets people saved? Absolutely it does. We're building a community and the results of that community are signs and wonders and lives are being changed. On top of that, there's generosity. And I just thank God for what's happening in the church today. There's a lot of reasons to criticize the church today, but I see God raising up a generous church like never before. The church and the churches of the city and the churches of this area are caring about the poor in ways that I didn't see in my childhood. Churches are are encouraging the adoption of children with no homes. Churches are encouraging fostering. Churches are involved in the educational process and are volunteering to help make our schools better. There's a generous spirit and it starts with one another and being generous towards one another and then it spreads through the community. And then this is the stuff that only God can do. You know, only God can do these last two. That's favor of the Lord. You know, the number one prayer I pray for this church is Lord, let us be a church that pleases you. We want your favor. We want your approval, God. We want your mark. And when those things happen, the growth will occur. God will just keep adding and adding and adding and adding because people need Jesus. That's why God keeps adding. And so it is. Man, Christian community matters. It makes a difference. And that's why Satan wants to keep you out of Christian community. That's why Satan wants to keep you isolated. That's why Satan wants to keep you out of the place of relationship. Because Christian community makes such a huge difference. Do you know the most holy moments that I've ever experienced in this congregation didn't happen in this room? And this room is where the the most of us gather, right? On a Sunday morning between the two services, on Easter Sunday, the big Sunday, This is we, we meet in here. This is not where the most holy moments I've experienced have happened. They've happened in other places. Like there's a little classroom kind of behind this wall, down the hall, like the the, the most inconvenient place to get to in this church where the men meet every Sunday morning. And I kind of pass back and forth as I'm doing my morning errands basically before church. And I I catch an earshot of teaching here and there, our discussion of what it is. But man, I've seen Men joining hands in prayer. Do you know that's a holy moment? I've seen men gather around one particular person sitting in a chair and lay their hands and pray for God's healing and God's breakthrough in that person. That that is, that is a holy moment. Our intercessory prayer team, God has just broken in and we've seen the Lord do so many amazing things. And what is amazing to me is when I see senior adults praying with 20-somethings and, and laying their hands on them and praying God's favor and blessing on them. That, that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful moment. When we begin to see the activity of God, when I, when I begin to see adults who've been trained and approved and all that, kneeling and getting down low like this so that they can look in the eye of a child and let that child feel loved and affirmed and approved and make that kid feel like they are welcomed at church and they are welcomed by Jesus. That's a holy moment to me. That, that's, that's life on life, relationship upon relationship. And so the church that has existed for these more than 2000 years now, so many different styles, so many different leadership structures, so many different ways of doing things, so many different building styles. But one of the constants, one of the constants is the relationships. I mean, that that has to happen in the church under the leadership of Jesus. So it is that, my second observation, what is community? Community is weathering adversity together. Weathering adversity together. And you don't really find community until you're living life together and you're going through some tough times. That's why Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. Verse 10, for if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. This, this whole concept of social isolation that Robert Putman at Harvard pointed out, it's all over, it's, it's, it's in the church now. Church has become a consumer business. Get the best product out. Satisfy the needs of the people on Sunday mornings, and, and then if they're not satisfied, they may be out the door. I say that it's life on life, it's relationship upon relationship, and so the most holy moments that I've seen, I told you about things that have happened on this property, but the most holy moments I've seen have not happened on this property. It's when I've been in hospital waiting rooms, when life is in the balance and God's people are there to comfort and to pray. It's at funeral homes when those who are saddened are met by others who love them. It was at my house when We used to have the young adults meet at our house every Sunday night, and there was a situation where someone had their heart broken, and you know it would be easy to say, "Oh, yeah, it's just a kid thing." But we all cried together because we knew how much pain that was. It was on the ten-year anniversary of September 11th. It happened to be 2:42 night. I'm sitting on the back porch at the Hollandan home. I think that time, and we're in a group of people reflecting on the 10 year anniversary of September 11th and we ran out of words and, and we just kind of sat there and cried together. Man, listen, those are those holy moments that take time and take depth and take faithfulness and, and, and takes a commitment and realize that God has called you to be part of a community and those supersede you know, just personal preferences Sometimes It's about his assignment, it's about his calling, it's about uh, understanding that Jesus, who in his sovereign will only chose three years for a public ministry, used much of his time with 12 men and impacting those men. And if you read the gospels, you'll see that Jesus actually, unlike us, avoided the crowds sometimes. Because he knew that intercession with the Father and prayer with the Father and community with his disciples was what the world needed for him. Here's the last thing I wanna say, number three, about this subject, is what is community? It's celebrating victories together. Celebrating victories together. And the kingdom of God is advanced through baby showers, and graduation receptions, and birthday parties. You're saying, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, celebrating a life. That's what Jesus did. Jesus, who was God incarnate here on this earth only for a few years, uh, what did Jesus decide? What was Jesus doing when God launched his ministry? He was attending a wedding. Nowadays, we're like, hey, I'm too, I, I don't do weddings. I'm too busy for them. Yeah, I'm just too important, important for weddings. It's not for me. I'm just not spiritual enough for me. Well, Jesus, Jesus not only attended a wedding, he used his, his power, really, and influence to make sure that wedding was successful and changed the water into wine. Jesus went to dinner parties, Jesus went to dinner parties with his closest friends, Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and also with people he was trying to reach like the tax collectors, Matthew's friends and Zacchaeus. But he had a way of life that included conversation and activity and fellowship and celebration. And I just want us to realize we need to be people of celebration. Celebrating milestones of life, celebrating the good things of God, celebrating the joy of life. I love the psalm psalm twenty Psalms twenty is this: in times of trouble this is a, this is a prayer. May the Lord answer your cry, may He send you help from his sanctuary may And strengthen you from Jerusalem. May he remember all your gifts and look favorably on your burnt offerings. Let's go to verse four. May he grant you your heart's desire. I'm at the bottom now of the slide. And make all your plans succeed. Verse five, the next one. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of our God. May the Lord answer all your prayers. What a beautiful song. I love verse five that's, may we shout for joy when we hear of your victory. You know, how can we shout for joy with other people's victory if we don't know what a victory is for them? (laughs) How can I rejoice with Danny and Kim if I don't know them, right? How can I rejoice with Mike and Daphne if I don't know them? And I can't know everyone and you can't know everybody, but you can know somebody, right? You can know somebody. And as your pastor,